On this episode of the Camp Owners Podcast, we sit down with Stuart Jones from Outpost Summer Camps and talk about how staff are coming to us this summer and what that looks like for staff training and for the support that we'll provide this summer. We have some really great conversation. He gives some really great tools and tips and tricks for us as directors and owners, and we think you'll really find it really helpful as we enter into our season of prepping for camp. Well, not just enter in, we are in it. Um, So we hope you enjoy it. Have a listen. This is the Camp Owners Podcast from Go Camp Pro, exploring issues and best practices that professionals in the private camp industry face every day. You can find our show notes at gocamp.pro slash ownerspod. This Go Camp Pro podcast is brought to you by Camp Brain. Camp Brain blends easy-to-use registration and management software with thoughtful customer service. They take pride in building long-lasting relationships through their amazing support and love they show to each client. Camp Brain is not only focused on your needs for summer 2022, but for your next 25 summers. For more information, visit them at campbrain.com slash owners pod. Great scheduling is the backbone of every camper's experience. But when there's a staffing change, it's almost impossible to fill that role with someone who knows all the nuances that scheduling takes. So come check Camptivities out, specifically designed for camps by camp people. Find out more at camptivities.com. Welcome to the Camp Owners Podcast, a space for camp owners to talk about the unique aspects of camp ownership and get inspired by each other. We are going to sit down with camp industry experts, leaders, and fellow camp owners to hear how the camp dream transpired for them, learn from each other, and discuss some of the biggest issues in the private camp industry. Welcome, everyone. I'm Kelly Shuna, Executive Director and Co-Owner of Hidden Pines Ranch Day Camp, located in Stillwater, Minnesota. Hi, everyone. My name is Howie Grossinger, and I'm the co-owner of Camp Robin Hood, a day camp in the suburbs of Toronto, and a co-owner of Camp Walden, a resident camp in northern Ontario. If you're looking to find and subscribe to the Camp Owners Podcast, you can either find us online at gocamp.pro slash ownerspod or by searching for us in your favorite podcast app. Finally, if you're listening to this and think it would be useful to other camp owners or aspiring camp owners in your circle, please feel free to send them a note to listen. Hello, Kelly. Uh, Hi, Howie. I feel like this is just meant to be because our guest today is a Camp Brain user. So it's very fitting that our sponsor, Camp Brain, is the first one that we mentioned today. Um, So we want to give a big big shout out to them. We're so grateful that they're sponsors of our podcast They have been in the camp industry since 1994. They have 45 plus dedicated staff to meet your every need. They provide a comprehensive and flexible registration system that can handle all of your day, overnight, family, holiday, and one-off camping events. I did see on the Summer Camp Professionals Facebook group recently, Howie, someone was asking, is there any software where a parent can register all of their kids at once? And the answer was Camp Brain. So if you are looking for that, give them a call, 866-485-8885 or campbrain.com. All right. Well, Howie, I'm really excited for this topic today and our guest. Um, I feel like it's so timely as we inch towards summer and our staffing's coming together and we're gaining a full picture of what our teams are going to look like. We're also gaining insight into where our our staff are coming at into summer through our interviews, returning staff check-ins, and conversations. Similar to last year, we're realizing that our staff are not the same as they were prior to the pandemic, um, nor our campers. Um, And what does this mean for us as camp owners and directors? Are there changes we need to make as an institution and how we train and mentor our young staff so then they can create a great experience for our campers? Um, Has there been a shift in who's applying and how they're applying 
As leaders in our industry, it might be time, this is our guest's words, to take a deep breath and look at how things are different and how we're going to respond. Leading with a lens focused on humility and learning, our guest today is Stuart Jones, president of Outpost Summer Camps, located in San Diego, California. Stuart is passionate about child development and best practices. We're so excited to have him join us in this conversation. So Stuart, welcome. We'd love for you to introduce yourself and then share with us like your camp story. How did you get into camping? Thank you, Kelly. Thank you, Hallie. It's it's great to be here. And I loved your comments about Camp Brain. I could just toss in for one minute to say that we've been with them for 20 years and they're great. So I was happy to hear that at the starting of this conversation. And I appreciate the time here as we all get ready for the summer to come and have a conversation, something that we all hold near and dear to our hearts. But my camp story, uh, what is my camp story? Probably similar to a lot of people's camp story. I was sent to camp as a kid in the seventies because my parents owned a business and they wanted to get rid of us. And if they were on the call, they'd say, that's true. We didn't <laughs> shop for developmental things and experiences. We're like, take my kid for three weeks. Cause there's no school. So my sister and I went, I was eight years old and I remember it so strongly as opposed to just about everything else in my childhood, that that has some significance to it. Doesn't it? Like what, what's burned in your head. Steve Baskin, the camp owner, he wrote an article about disruptive moments. And I read that article and he labeled what my experience was when I was eight years old, saying it was just so utterly different than everything I'd experienced at that point. It got kind of tattooed in my brain and changed the course of my life. So I remember being there and getting pulled out of bed at like 11 at night, put in a truck and driven into the mountains, sitting on a hay bale, and then handed a flashlight and a stick and hunting for snipes. <laughs> Didn't did we all go do that? And running around this field and thinking, even as a young little eight-year-old with a risk management head, is this safe? I wonder how all the kids are going to come back. <laughs> Maybe that was the starting of a future camp director, right? As I'm running around going, I don't know if this is the best activity, but I remember that so strongly. And my counselor, he was from Germany. He had an accent. He caught a rattlesnake. He cut its head off and put it on a board and nailed the skin and dried the skin and then took the, the snake to the kitchen. We all tasted snake. I mean, these were things that were amazing. And I don't know if we could do them anymore. Um, <laughs> we, we rode horses without, without um, saddles. And I remember just hanging on to the mane as we're galloping around playing tag. And I'm like, this is, this is, this is bad and good. So all those things are burned into my head from my camp experience and that was a big part of it, but I did not stay going every single year. Uh, I'll fast forward the conversation to going to a day camp where I grew up in Pasadena area of California and hating it. And in college coming home from the summer and applying to work at that camp. And they interviewed me. Why do you want to work here? And I said, because I came here and they said, oh, okay, great. And I said, yeah, but I hated it. And the director took note of that. That was important information to him. I got hired. I started working. I loved it. What's not to love? Your shirt's off. You're running around. You're not doing French fries. You're working with kids. And I, I was a take from counselor. I enjoyed it so much just to be outside, be liked by kids, be liked by staff, be popular, enjoy myself, you know, play sports, walk, climb, swim every day. I, I thought I was in heaven. And it came time for my evaluation and the director was disappointed. And I wasn't. <laughs> I thought, this is great. And he goes, you're, you're not doing the job I thought you would. And that jarred me. And he said, I expected you to kind of pay attention to those kids in the group that weren't having a good experience based upon your experience as a child. 
And that got me. I was not happy with the feedback. I felt my performance was better than he had given me credit for. I went to a party that night and a small group of staff were bad-mouthing him and a larger group of staff held him in high regard. And I hung out with both groups before I realized, I think I might be getting this wrong. And he stuck with me. I worked there for four summers. I came back and he saw something in me and he worked hard to train me and challenge me every single day. And another fast forward, I graduated from college in three years um, by design. I was going to go to law school. That was my plan. And I ditched it all to work at summer camp because what was happening there was just so significant. I could not get my head around it. Um, The owners of the camp hired me to be their director. I was 23. I was completely unqualified. And I went to a conference in 1984 and saw Michael Brandwine for the first time. And that blew me out of the water because he put words and labels and concepts to everything that was important about camping to me. It, It just absolutely lit a fire under me. I went back to graduate school, got a master's degree in developmental psychology. I started mixing camp with social skills groups. And at 30, I left kind of the best job in day camp. There could be anywhere in the country with these great family people with all the supports they have and moved to San Diego and started a, started a day camp from scratch. And we are celebrating our 20th anniversary this summer. And we're one of the largest private day camps in the County of San Diego now. So that's, that's my camp story in five minutes in a nutshell. So (laughs) fast version. So I think, I think every insurance broker who heard the story about the saddleless horses and the snakes is probably, please don't ever do that in 2022. I totally get that. 100%. But, I mean, I tell those stories now and, and you know, I, I get hives as I start. I'm like, oh God, you know, we can't do that anymore. I, but totally. I, so many of us haven't we traveled that, what we used to do and why we used to justify it and how it was. And sure, things have been lost in that way. Um, those stories are so special to me. We can't do those anymore. So now we have to kind of engineer them a little bit, right? <laughs> we sure do. We sure do. And I think that uh, your story, you know, resonates with me uh, personally because of sort of the indelible moments that uh, a counselor or a trainer or depending on what stage in my camping career I was in. And, you know, to this day, your Michael Brandwine reference, I remember the late 80s, Michael being at our camp up here in Canada doing training. And to this day, the staff that I was in that session with, who are now 30 years removed, are parenting, were parenting their kids with some of the phrases that Michael would use around the key system or all those things. So, you know, whether it's the it's the counselor who makes that indelible or have that moment that Steve Baskin is talking about, or being in a training session with a incredible person like Michael Brandwine, or even ourselves who deliver camp training every year, you know, we can't underestimate the value of those moments. And Stuart, I think, I think your journey is, is, uh, is, is a great, uh, I, I'd like to think that you probably share that with your staff a lot, which I think we all should be doing on a regular basis because they think we just sort of came onto this kind of haphazardly in some cases. So, so thank you for that. Kelly and I are super excited to jump into talking about the topic. And I think that for us, there's been so much happening in the last two to three years. And, you know, I guess our starting point is to hear your thoughts and 
your perspective on how are young people going to be coming to camp differently than they have in the past? I mean, if you think about how you came to camp when your parents sent you and then the kids you saw, saw as a developing camp professional till now being a seasoned camp owner director, you know, I, I, I love the stuff we've talked pre-show about this stuff. But, you know, with our audience, what, what are some of your thoughts on that to get, you know, this conversation going? Sure. And I I really like the way how you phrased the question about how are they coming differently? And I guess part of my comments start with our conference with the Western Association of Independent Camps, a wake conference, kind of post closure in 2020 and then rebooting in 2021 and everybody gathered and people kind of got their butts kicked this summer. And it was the first time I'd seen that across the board for everybody where everybody was really processing what it was like. So there's consensus. It was different. <laughs> the, the, the kids came differently. The staff came differently. And I'm not in any position to start labeling exactly how or why that'll work. I think we're all sorting out what we're looking at and if it's permanent or not. But maybe we can start <laughs> around the idea that yeah, something's different. I mean, let's, let's, let's agree to that. Right. And I think in the past camps are both um, taking credit and guilty of being confident in that we assemble all the kids and we assemble all the staff in our community. And we've been doing it a long time, me 20 years with my camp, Howie's 75 years with your camp. We're good at this. Like everybody shows up and we know it's going to work. We know that we're going to build this community. We know there will be great outcomes. We know there will be joy. We know they'll be learning. Uh, I think that that collective confidence got (laughs) tested a touch when everybody showed up and we're looking, thinking we're doing all the things we've always done so successfully and they're not working the same way as successfully as we thought. And I think it's easy for us to say it's all the pandemic. It's the mass, the pandemic It's this, but I'm not, I'm not sold on that in full. I think we're having some shifts that are in addition to that. And I think that one of the things that we could all do, and I I talked about this with Kelly, was take a deep breath, (laughs) you know, and and we're not really great at that as camp directors, we usually just go people, right? We've got all the the hard things we have to do with the day and the program and the food and everything that we're doing. And then we've got the soft skills of like, this is what it looks like, connect with kids, but really taking a huge pause and saying, what are we working on here? What are we focusing on? I think that's where I'd, I'd start. You know, does that resonate with you too? Is, you know, did it feel different <laughs> having kids come to camp last summer? That's kind of the question I put back to you two saying, I just described it as like for my colleagues and I, what was it like for you two? Oh, Stuart. Oh yeah. I had a moment, many moments, but I know I, there was one moment during the summer where I was like, yeah, Peter, you know, maybe just six years is good. Like maybe this is just, yeah, I, I, this might be it. It was hard. I, my leadership team had to pull me out of a deep, dark, toxic sledge hole because I was taking everything on of everybody's everything. And it was hard. Yeah, it was a really, really, really hard summer for me, for sure. I won't speak for Howie, but yeah, I, I'm in the same boat as your wake friends. It was tough. Yeah, you know, I agree. I think that, um, you know, I think we can all agree there were those moments of taking a year off for those of us I know who who chose or were forced to take a year off in 2020, you know, they're definitely, we've talked about this before, those moments where we just walked and the sounds and the sights of all the joy and being everyone returning to what we've become accustomed to was emotional and wonderful. And I I hang on to those all the time. But 
there was just a, a different sense of feeling we needed to be everything to everybody in a way that we've never had to be before, whether it was fulfilling public health requirements to, you know, restoring confidence in parents who were sending their kids to us who went through some really tough times with online learning and isolation, not to mention, and again, we're going to get into this, but just the need to support staff and feel like, are we giving them enough to do their job? And what is it, you know, are the demands we put on them prior to the pandemic even reasonable now, given the what they've all been through? And I think that that's something that I'd like to explore as well. Um, having, having said that, I think Kelly and I and Stuart, I'm curious about some of your thoughts around it. We needed to go through that in some sense to know how we want to deliver the big, you know, the beginning of training and how we're going to express sort of the care, concern, and support we're going to be giving to our campus staff and parents, etc. So, yeah, I think we can all relate to that in a big way. Good, good. And I, I liked your comment about being everything to everybody. <clears throat> On one hand, we've always been that way at camps. We are so responsible, especially resident camp, when they move in with us almost, you know, in loco parentis, which everybody said, it doesn't mean the crazy parent, right? It means in place of parents, but the, uh, the responsibility of serving all the different populations at the same time makes every camp director in the country, in the world, need to be multilingual, right? You need to speak parent and speak staff and speak child and speak director all fluently or so you're going to not succeed. And I think that's one of the things that drew me into the industry is going, this requires so much of me. I'm really challenged across the board. Most of what we've been trying to do is, is building on what we were already trying to do pre-pandemic. And that's focus on the construct of motivation. And what that really means is if you understand how that works and you're looking at your staff, it's a very powerful way of approaching how you are training and supporting how you're recruiting and hiring because you think about every single individual's um, understanding of why they're there and how hard they're going to try and how much they're going to be able to be resilient is all basically focused around motivation. My motivation as a young person was having my shirt off and being popular and having fun. And that box was if we all took our shoes off in the fort to run around and have like a paper towel fight in the bathroom, that was way more important to me than any other thing that the camp would have said around safety or fairness or, you know, connecting with the other staff or having a good relationship with my supervisor. I'm like, no funds, my number one motivation and popularity is my number one motivation. And that was fascinating to me in my twenties and thirties was, Ooh, I think this is the secret to connecting with each staff member and challenging them on where their motivation is and what they're capable of. If I made a list of what I wanted to see from staff coming this summer, it would be, I'm going to tap into whatever powers I have to show up prepared, to manage my mood, to be intentional about the little spaces in camp, to bring energy every day. We used to be able to create an environment where 90% of our staff members would show up and believe in that and try that and do that and join in that collectively together. Like, it's campfire. Let's all make sure we bring the energy. And they buy into that 100%. Um, for day camp, be on time. Be five minutes early. Have your game face on. Be ready to leave stuff at the door, you know, and, and come in and work. And I think what happened this summer differently was people were <laughs> a little broken and damaged or off or under-resourced showing up. 
And so that provided, what do we need to do to get them ready to be motivated more than we're going to do all the things we always did to be motivated. And that all comes down to me for trust. And that's where the work needed to be done on our end. My wife is the owner of the camp with me. She's a clinical psychologist. And we really focused around, will they trust us to then be motivated? Will they see things in us during the recruiting process, the interview process, and the training process that allow them to go, I trust these people? And those are things that I think I can bullet out that we've done pretty well. But I can pause there to <laughs> see what you think about those comments, because that, that, that's, that's kind of where we're at right now is playing in that sandbox, the trust yeah. and motivation sandbox. Yeah, there's a lot of good things to chew on there for sure. I I do I really like the how you lay that out differently of it was a collective and the motivation and now it's a it seems just like going back to the basics of that foundation with these staff and it's about the trust and I think you're right that it is it's just a very basic. It's very Brene Brown. It's very Brene Brown of you, Stuart. To be honest with you. Well, that's that's one of our that's one of our big um, <clears throat> resources that we've really tapped into. But I'd back up and say something like this: If people have been alone, if they've withdrawn, if they've been isolated, if they haven't been in a constant series of trust-based relationships, and we all kind of pulled back to hit a to join a community as. Uh, demanding as a camp community with all of the you know physical and emotional demands of it <clears throat> and instantly dive into it is a big stretch. And so at the starting of our process, we kind of break down each step of camp saying, what are we saying during our recruiting? What are we doing during the interview process? And what are we doing during those very first impressions at training to create the environment in which each individual young person goes, I think I can trust these people. And for all of us, when you look at an environment, is this worth joining or not? I think some of the constructs we're looking for, some of the, the indicators we're looking for, um, they're organized. <laughs> I think that's a pretty big one. Um, they're clear and they're inclusive, not just virtue signaling inclusive, but look, there's people that look like me. There's people that talk like me. There's people that are my age. There's people from my school. There's people from my background. Uh, they're fair. <laughs> they they spend a lot of time talking about how they're going to handle situations and how they've handled situations in the past. And a sense of genuineness, because you have to start with an invitation to say, tell me. And in my wife's experience as a psychologist and the director of the camp, she even was ready to say, I'm going to use some of my Jedi powers to create this environment to open up for people to trust me. And one of the things she spoke at at our conferences recently was, they're ready <laughs> to trust if you do that well. And they will lead with where they are um, psychologically. They'll lead with um, their struggles. They'll lead with their expectations of what they want in terms of accommodations during the day. Um, this is hard for me sometimes. I'm, I suffer from anxiety. I need five minutes to walk this off. And I would appreciate if you know that. And our ability to say, yes, we will support that and accommodate that instead of, well, you should have left it at home or that's not how we do it here at this camp. And yeah. we can all we can all acknowledge that as empathetic camp professionals, that sounds good. But for many of us, the disconnect and especially older people 
and me thinking like, well, when we were young, we just showed up and shut up and work. Like you're getting paid, you should work. And somewhere in there is some space for all of us to build trust. Trust leads to motivation and people will be at their very, very best when they can say, since I trust these people, I'm willing now to uh, use whatever I have inside of me to bring that energy and to reset and to talk about how I really feel and to be patient while they talk about getting the support I need. That's, that's critical. All of, everything yeah. I just talked about was always true. <laughs> the difference always. here, the, always true. The difference here is accepting that the vast majority of our campers and staff are showing up maybe two or three steps or levels behind where they've been in the past and making decisions as administrators and owners and, and leaders, what does that mean and what should we do? And at the yep, very yep. starting, my, my answer is doubling down <laughs> on the signals and the mechanisms and the intentional steps to say, trust us. And exactly. We'll be next to you. Yeah. yeah. And I think, Stuart, for me, I mean, if, 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 if we want to just use plain speak, like, Everyone's BS detector is on high, you know, whether you're five years old or you're 18 years old. I mean, I always tell the staff, like the kids can tell immediately if you're into providing them with the most amazing experience, like they get it, like they'll, they'll, they'll know. And so this leads me to, you know, my own experience is that you got to also do a deep dive on if we believe all these things to be true and we know all the things that Stuart shared and I know Kelly you and I you know subscribe to this and god knows every episode is complete when we mention Brené Brown to to Kelly for sure um but my point is is that we also have to be very intentional as can we walk the walk and talk the talk you know you can't sacrifice painting us a, a picture of what it's like to be in our setting and not prepared to do the hard work of delivering on it because that's when you know it can all fall apart and and so i think that and it's my it's it's my feeling is that we just have to be super genuine and honest and that trust comes from you know in my case you know, I do all the hiring. Like, I want them to know that the first person for them to walk in the door is to get to know me personally. Because in the way camp works for us here is that Sari and I are a team. Sari's an occupational therapist and works with our inclusion program and parents and campers and all the good stuff that is so much more in her wheelhouse. I'm program staff, relationships, training, and all that stuff. I want them to know that you know, getting to know me is a big part of this. And you're not you're not going to not get to know me more when you step on the property. Like, it doesn't end with just the interview. So I think, Stuart, you're, you're touching on things that we all need to, to evaluate. And at this time of year when people are listening to this show, in some cases, their hiring will have been complete. Those of us in the day camp world in some markets are still hiring right up until staff training in some mm -hmm. cases. Same here. Um, we we just have to be ready to 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 know that when we say it's going to be like this and it's an emotionally and physically safe place to work or to send your kids to that we're doing all the good work to put those systems in place so we can we can deliver and and be true to what we say so i i just wanted to add that because i think it's so important yeah, we I not just I, we just I, not I, get I, stuck on the language and we and we're and we and we back it up and I, I think so many of us are and I think we've dug into this 
supremely well in the last couple of years, but but I, I know it's a topic that that I've been thinking about a lot. Well, and I, I think one of the things that listeners would want to hear is there's kind of the philosophical discussion that we're talking about is what's it like to show up. And then there's, you know, what, what we all want, why we go to conferences and why we take notes. What do you do? And I, and I think a lot about those, those first year counselors who, you know, well, they always think in those terms of like, well, when, when one kid pushes a kid, what do you do? Or if they cut in line, what do you do? As if there's like kind of the magic thing you say. And one of the most, you know, key places we work really hard at our camp is to get the counselors prepared for what's going to happen as expected things, not not undesired or unexpected things go, you know, eight-year-olds are obsessed with fair. You're going to hear fair, 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 fair in every single game. And, you know, um, you know, we try to really educate them as to the developmental levels of kids and what to expect at camp. We also try to educate them on, you're not going to be very good at this. <laughs> and I think that's something that's really difficult for a lot of um, exceptional young people is they're used to being good at things out the gate. And why would you be able to show up here and be a child development professional when you've never done it before, or you worked as an aide at the preschool or somewhere and it doesn't, you know, your experience and your age and everything doesn't really count so far. You're, you're brand new to this. So even though you might want to show up and think it'd be great, you, you won't be. And part of motivation and part of trust is telling them that to that, uh, explaining that to them and getting them to believe it. <laughs> because what we really do is we show up as a fixed mindset going, this is a test of my abilities and a test of my leadership and a test of my employeeness. And I want to pass it. Actually, I don't want to pass it. I want to ace it. And instead <laughs> to get them to understand, we don't expect you to ace it. We expect you to struggle. And when that happens, then we have discussions around what the next step is to move the needle a little bit. But let me tell you a real secret by the end of this two week or three week session, um, <laughs> you'll be tired and a lot of things aren't, have, will not have gone well. <laughs> and that's how it works here. And when we have our other staff join us who have been here before and go, that's exactly how it works for credibility and tell their stories that goes a long way. We've had to triple our amount of meetings and uh, group <laughs> and have them talk about what's going on. And camp directors hear that and go, when can we do that? We don't have time to do that in a day. We're barely able to do the breaks and lunch for day camps. We're barely able to structure, you know, time off for a resident camp. And my answer would be, you can do it. <laughs> and then you get the eye roll and they walk off. But like we did it with great pain. We shortened our day. We, we built a lot of different mechanisms. We overhired staff. And again, people could listen and go, we can't do that. But you can, and you have to, <laughs> that would be my opinion. And it, it makes all the difference in the world to still be viable when we're trying to create these communities pop up with all the intensity around them. Um, we have to design for that. And I don't think that's going away anytime soon. <laughs> oh. yeah, that's one of the most intriguing things that I walked away with from our conversation and prepping for the show, Stuart, was your ideas or thought around kind of that reckoning as an industry of getting, taking a step back from, well, that's how we've always done it. And that's how it works. And like you said, like you can't take, it doesn't work to take five minutes to just take a walk around camp and you got to be supervising, but it's that I think is worth the pause to say it isn't how we've always done it, but how can we do it? How can we make room for those meetings? And like at our camp, I'm really boosting our leadership team and our support and 
using counselors that maybe wanted to come back, but can't come back for all summer. So, okay, you're going to come for six weeks and you're going to be a camp specialist and here's, you're just going to be supporting our staff in different ways. But I think, you know, I, I just really think that's good food for thought for all of us about what do we need to reevaluate as just because it's always been done. How do we need to change at the summer or what can we do to make some of those more meetings and support and conversation happen for our staff? If you think about the communities that we build and how we build them, one argument would be that we've always been in a intense space and maybe we've all been a little bit over our heads. Two comments on that. One, how can every camp in America not have a mental health specialist on staff? I'm, I'm, they've just not been a thing. And the second is when we take kids out of their homes and they're sleeping and eating and, and, and having all of their um, daily routines for a long period of time away, that is very interesting, sacred space. And we've always gotten away with it. And I think that the amount of support and intentionality and training and child development expertise and safety expertise, it's massive. And as I've gotten older and owned camps and been involved in other industries, I often look and go, wow, we are playing with Prometheus and fire here. And obviously there's so many exceptional people in camp, but we really have to stay at the top of our game all the time. And the main thing that is um, out there right now is that I think we had probably maybe a 70 or 80% success rate, but there are no shortage of people whose camp experiences were very, very poor and very, very damaging. And I think we focus on the 70, 80% of all the wins. And we look at all these stories of like, you know, camp nightmare and camp this, and we almost laugh them off a little bit, but there are times when some great damage is done at camp in the same way that great, wonderful things are happening at camp that happened to me as a young man years ago at the camp. It was not a positive experience at all. And I, I have those same indelible memories in my head back then from counselors who were not trained for how to build a group and how to acknowledge and redirect and join first, how to access resources when things got difficult, how to prevent all the things that could happen that we shall not say, but you know can be talked about. That's all really, really important work. And every year camps get this wrong. And every year it brings down some kind of negative lens on our industry, just like early childhood or K-12 or anything else. And I think we have big responsibilities to continue to have these conversations and talk about what we should and could be doing. (laughs) So that's a little darker, but that's very true. I think that's what's in front of us right now. No, listen, at the end of the day, Stuart, I I mean, I think we just have to really also keep it very real, right? Like, you know, that's, that's just what we do. And, um, you know, I think that the public's image of what the camp industry is all about and what we actually do. And do you, you know, what do you do the rest of the year? You know, blah, blah, blah. You know, the old, the old go down the line of the comments we get is that I think as an industry, we have, you know, we have all collectively aged a little faster over the last three years in, in so many different ways. But I think we we have been open to tackling all the issues that are more 
prevalent and relevant now than I think at any time that I can remember, you know, throughout my time doing this. And and I think fundamentally, you said this earlier, you know, the typical 18-year-old we got 10 years ago is not the typical 18-year-old or 19-year-old we get today. And that goes for the 10-year-old and that goes for the 5-year-old who's coming to day camp for the first time who's not as independent and as maybe they were 10 years ago for all the 5-year-olds if we're generalizing. So we, we all have to examine our setting and look at that and, you know training to that, you know, teaching to the test, setting the expectations the way you did. And I love what you said about just being very honest. You're not going to ace this and nor do we expect that you will ace it. And not acing it is actually going to allow you to ace it down the road in a much more meaningful way. And I think that is like the key thing. And as someone who, you know, is very sports focused and, and I've coached a lot over my time as previously a high school teacher and as a, as a community coach in, in sports is like, you know, it's the journey of not getting it at first and then being there to realize that you actually can do it. I just, that, those are the things that came to mind when you were, when you were sharing what you've described as the dark part of our conversation. Well, you know, and Howie, it's so funny. I'm, I'm just smiling while you talk because two things that resonate with me deeply the failure now, and that's kind of the big buzzwords is, you know, failure leads to success, but the the experience you have now, because failure can really still trigger people. And I'm going to stick with experience. Experiences you'll have now being unsuccessful really do build to later success. Athletes really understand that. And we've been hiring more athletes than ever because the entire thing is failure. I don't know how to do this yet. I can't throw it very hard. I don't understand how the technique works to hit or jump or run or execute or work as a teammate. You're used to failure. You're also used to coaches being like, you're not there yet, just over and over and over and endless practice. Well, those skills translate really nicely to camp. They really do because we basically use the analogy to say, this is exactly like anything else you've ever worked at. Um, You have to earn it and you have to learn it and you have to practice it. And it's really hard. And that appealed to me as a younger person where the director that I mentioned earlier kind of pressed me going like, <laughs> you got lots to be better at if you're interested. And I was. Um, one of the things I wanted to offer today to people was a technique as a leader that I w- work with our directors and counselors and even kids. And it's just really a simple two things. And I like, I prefer the simplicity of quick accessible tools and techniques at camp. And it's work backwards. <laughs> and what work backwards means is I'm walking around with one of my younger directors, maybe 24, 25, and they're new in the leadership role. And we'll stand at any part of camp. It'll be archery or the pool or getting on and off buses, making any transition to dining. And I'll say, um, right now there's a lost kid. <laughs> what happened? I want you to work backwards. Look around. Tell me what you see. And they go, yeah, I can see how right now in this one spot, the counselor's eating and they're talking to each other and the kids are kind of wandering. He goes, I can see how a kid got lost. They go, well, let's, let's just play out work backwards. We are now getting sued or now there's a kid who's legitimately lost or now there's an emergency. What would have could have happened to prevent it going backwards all the way? And we work on that with our with all of our administrative team in, in each situation, but not just for the hard skills. Um, I'm going to walk up to you at camp and I'll say, we just got a phone call. Um, the mom wants to pull her kid out. He's having a miserable time. Which kid? Billy. They go, you're kidding. He smiles every day. I go, well, I'm letting you know that they're about to quit. And Billy's been in tears each night. And I want to talk about that. I want to work backwards. What happened? What does Billy not have that the other kids have? Well, he doesn't really have a friend. You're right. He spends all day faking it. 
And then he goes home in tears. I'm letting you know that now. Let's work backwards. What could and should and and would have happened so that Billy isn't going to be in this situation. And now we have a brainstorming opportunity. So that's been a, a valuable professional development opportunity. I want my directors to worry professionally. I want them to be um, anticipatory of all the things that could happen, working backwards all day long. Could something bad happen now? Will something bad happen? Well, it's more like pretend something did and not always bad but undesired. Yeah. Same thing with the counselors. I'll tell each one of our unit directors has six senior counselors. We do a early, um, pretty in-depth evaluation where the six counselors are rating the assistant director. Every single year since 20 years I've been doing this, at that one week, two week mark, the young assistant director gets the feedback. And I say, before we even look at any of the feedback, um, what do you expect these will say? And how has your performance been, et cetera, et cetera. Each one of my assistant directors will say, I don't really want to bother the groups during the day. I don't want them to feel like they're being watched or corrected or anything like that. And all six of the counselors go, I wish you'd spend more time with my group. I wish you'd give me more advice. We do this every single year. This begs the question, if you know this happens every single year, why haven't you designed for it or got into it? I go, trust me, I've worked really, really hard on both groups to say, this is how it works. But in practice, every year, those young directors avoid all of the coaching and supervisory and and help opportunity. And the staff are like, come help me, come help me. But this is a big disconnect for our directors. That's a prime work backwards. How could we have (laughs) anticipated it and done this? And it gives me good fodder at that first two weeks to do that. So that. Well, I just found my inspiration for the end of the show. Uh, <laughs> that was that was really great, and I, I think you know, I think you laid that out in such a way that I, I think it would be uh, very manageable for all of us to to take that recommendation and, and find times in our day. And I and I think just the sheer fact that our staff want us as you know the perceived leadership and bosses of camp to have these moments from them they're in it because i genuinely feel they want to learn they want to get better and and i think these challenging questions and this exploration to the examples that you gave stuart you know just i i I think that that um it has a bit of a domino effect of other staff talking to each other and saying, hey, you know, the conversation I had with Stuart today was really helpful. You know, he made me think of this or, you know, Kelly and I had a really great moment and they want it from that assistant director. And if we can afford the time, which I hope we can all do as directors and owners, when we do it as well, I think it's so meaningful and impactful, not just as window dressing, but as really motivational elements of them wanting to do better over the course of their time with us. Yeah. And I, I think also with that, Howie is um, as you spend time in the trenches, getting better at motivating and supervising, or I should say creating the environment. So people will be motivated both intrinsically, like I'm showing up going to try and extrinsically, which is like, wow, I, my, my boss, my supervisor really is expecting things of me. I want to, (laughs) I want to hit those marks. I think that's a very positive thing, like pleasing the coach. Right. Um, But this makes them do the work. (laughs) What do you see? And sometimes when you show up, there's not the space or even the right opportunity to do work backwards. Sometimes I just want to give them a skill, kind of bail them out, grab a kid who's being hard and walk off with them and say like, right now, this counselor just needs (laughs) five minutes of it being easier immediately. And for supervisors at camp to kind of tie this entire podcast together, I used to indulge in the teaching opportunity more. 
ooh, this is a good chance for work backwards. I can have a quick conversation. I'm doing a lot more bailing out now. And I don't mean bailing out in a bad way, but just like, I need to make this easier on you fast before you burst into tears or break or quit. And then at a more appropriate time, perhaps we can have a little bit of a talk about what's happening. That's been a huge shift and coaching my staff to be like, (laughs) if you look and it looks hard, this might not be the teaching opportunity that we've talked about for a long time for you to do that. This is just going to be a pick three things and you know, bring them down from hard to medium or medium to easy as quickly as you can. We've overhired helpers um, and we've kind of doubled our administrative team. I do all of the data reporting for our wake association. And I look at the number of counselors and the number of leadership team and put them into a ratio for all 53 of our camps and camps are adding more administrators and more supporters, whatever you want to call it, leadership team members. Um, every year. I think that's a good trend. Um, I think that's a wise thing to do. And I think that camps who are running on the whole single director, all the counselor model, that's not sustainable um, and not necessarily responsible, but I'll I'll park those comments to the side in case, you know, arguments start at the table, but that's, that seems to be a, a trend that I think is very important in camp is let's source this a little bit more with professionals and leaders and managers and teachers and coaches and mental health professionals relative to the responsibility that we're taking on. Yeah, Kelly, we, we've talked a lot about that, this this shift in leadership teams, this growth of leadership teams, the expansion of the resources and experts that we can bring on our teams to facilitate the support that we know we need to deliver. Yeah, I am planning to mostly, hopefully, just be walking around this summer and supporting, coaching, bailing out, you know, I just feel like that's, that's the shift that I feel for sure is I need to be around and available and have others doing that as well. I think always we're in our minds of, I don't want to have people like sitting around with nothing to do, but I think those days are, are far gone. Um, And that's a part of that, how things are different is it feels like I, you can't have enough support right now. I can't, I feel like to just be walking around and noticing those things, Stuart, and having the ability to decide if it's a bailout or if it's a coach. But I just, I, I think that yeah. there's such a need. We have it's a also, we it's have also an issue. Sorry, sorry, Stuart, but it's yeah. also an issue of like, when we invest in people and not stuff, which I think is a real trend now, like we, we need to know that it's the people that are going to create the communities and environment that we want. And so while we get, you know, and I think your point, Kelly, is so amazing, right? It's like we we traditionally get bogged down like, but, you know, there may be an hour and a half out of their day where they're not actually doing stuff. But it, it's really about the quality because it's the moments that pay dividends of the good people, the available people that serve you so much better than, you know, counting the hours in the day and is everyone super busy every day. Now, obviously, you know, budgets and resources and all of us are in different, you know, positions to be able to allocate those things. But I I see as Stuart is suggesting and has said, you know, we're hearing consistently that spending resources in people and if we've learned anything from the last two years, it's not about the slip and slide. It's not about 
having more googly eyes in arts and crafts or anything that we're doing. Never, it's, never has been, but yep, and, exactly right. Yep. Exactly, right? It's it, it never has been. So uh, yeah, I'm glad we're we're talking a little bit about that as well. Well, and as a as a I'm a parent of five, so I, I'm a I'm a parent <laughs> of five children. Yeah, and so they range in age from seven to twenty one. So I've I've got my hand in a lot of different developmental levels at the same time. And one of the analogies I, I've taught parenting classes, you know, unsuccessfully and successfully, and we worked at parents at camp every day. Um, did either of you have little Tamagotchis when, when you're, you know, or in the nineties, your kids had those little tiny digital pets and they had oh, the yeah. buttons and the three buttons were basically kind of like sleep and food and love. And you'd tap them and they'd have the three levels. And this was, you know, what the first addictive viral device game but everybody had those. And I, I think often of my five kids or the thousand kids at camp. And I think about if I substituted, you know, sleep, love, and, and, and food, which are the basic needs that we still need to be really good at. And I've done a lot of talking about basic needs at camp. Well, what are the, what are the immediate basic need constructs of people in the camp community? And I think sometimes we miss this, but to me, teaching my staff and getting ready, does he or she have a friend? <laughs> That's That goes for staff. I'm not talking about kids. The kids, of course, they need one, but staff. Does he or she have a mentor or leader or a path to somebody to get the resources and advice and support and help they need? Um, and are they having fun? You know, is, it, is there any fun involved whatsoever? And so when we're talking to one of our counselors and I see this face of sadness or dis, when I go, she hasn't made any friends here yet. Like she doesn't hang out with anybody. They don't text each other after camp or hang out on their off time. They're she, they, like that. That needs to be addressed now. <laughs> that's a, that's like having zero on the Tamagotchi on food or, or sleep. Um, is there a relationship with a supervisor, someone they can come talk to if she connected with anybody? And that might not be their immediate camp trip. That might just be a disconnect. As my wife jumped in there as another one of our leadership team said, I got you. I'll pick up this one for a while. We can't expect each one of our unit leaders to be with all six successfully all the time. And then did you do anything even remotely fun? And we will dispatch someone for a fun thing. Like just, I'm going <laughs> to, if anything goes well at the end of the day, we're going to laugh at some point in some way. And they come back and they go, that wasn't possible. And I go, well, we're at zero on that Tamagotchi. So those three things are critical in terms of kind of assessing where our staff are. And if one of those is at zero, sorry, but what, what it, it died. <laughs> That's what happened to the thing. It, it dies. You have to reset. And like, that. I think it's a really important analogy to think parentally and caretaker wise for staff in those three categories. And it, it's not, you know, did you, did you know where to go today? Did you do all the things? It's not an evaluation. It's simply friend, <laughs> you know, person to talk to about what's that can offer you something besides support, like a solution and some mastery and some teaching. And then did you laugh? <laughs> because if you don't have those things, you quit college. And you think about those three things for every freshman in college is why they're all coming home. They didn't connect with a friend. They don't have somebody to go get support and talk to and anything from. And they're, they're not having fun. Like it's, <laughs> there's nothing enjoyable. They're going to last a month, maybe three, maybe six. And then they're, they're out of there. So I think that's a very valuable thing. I look at our giant poster. I'm like, kind of obsessed with all the names being like we're a little soft there that one's got one out of three two out of three i mean it's that's an obsessive thing for me is just how, how are all my tama, tamagotchis doing <laughs> <laughs> my tamagotchi staff i like that Stuart. i think that's a great a great tool i was just at a conference and sarah kurtz mckinnon she had suggested something similar in um the way you're looking at all your staff 
of like printing off a sheet and doing like a plus if you have really connected with that staff person and a zero if it was just like a, hey, how are you? Great. Like there was some interaction and a negative if you haven't had a solid connection with that staff member and charting that like pre-camp during staff training and, and evaluating constantly. So I think that would help us to have that radar on those basic things. I really like that tool. Friend, mentor, fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. It just, and it's very similar to Sarah's and she's onto something wonderful, which is, and are you tracking it? And are you aware of it? And are you intentional about it? That's, and I would imagine her being here saying that's your responsibility to be aware mm-hmm. of where you are. When we talk to our assistant directors, they will very openly say, I spend most of my time with Julie because it's a pleasurable mentoring and connecting experience. I'm kind of avoiding Billy because like, it just doesn't go well when I try to talk to him and you can quantify that. You spent six hours today with Julie and mm-hmm. zero hours with Billy. And when you really add it up, they're always shocked. I didn't know it was that bad. I'm like, well, <laughs> that's yeah. you counted it. Right? That's, yeah. That's the quantifying cool. is just very clear. Negative plus zero. I really like that. So Stuart, I, I'm a note taker. So I always like to make little notes and I feel like you've really given us a lot of great takeaways. Um, I had written down the friend mentor fund, they're working backwards. I love telling them like, you can't show up and be a child development expert. You just can't. So you're going to, you're going to struggle. Um, it's a lot of really, and, and starting with trust and really focusing on trust with staff training. Any other things before we move on um, that you really wanted to share with listeners today about this idea? I think my main one would be if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably somebody who seeks out professional development. And I think the dirty secret of summer camp is there isn't any. Um, and when I say that, I, I don't mean it super globally. We can go to conferences and we can watch our peers speak for an hour and we can have bags filled with wonderful things. And we can buy some books from Bob Dinner and Michael Brandwine and everybody, but we're, it is all DIY <laughs> and and yep. you can have peers you talk to, but we are all masters of our own kingdoms operating autonomously. autonomously. That's the truth of camp. And in other realms, um, early childhood is one of my, my, my loves and I have another business that works in that area. Um, there are multiple paths to um, professional development and mastery, um, maybe not so much in, in K-12 and other places, but I think as an industry, we have a big responsibility to solve for this and invest in this and build things around it. And you're seeing it, you're seeing efforts right now, almost individually with the, with the Facebook groups and with the consulting firms and with the podcasts. And I, I think it's the first time in my 35 years of working as a camp professional where I've seen a lot of things launching at the same time. And why are they launching? Because we all know we need it. (laughs) So my, my takeaway line would be if you aren't investing in your, um, professional development as a camp leader and professional, not just hit and run at conferences or a cool idea, but really working to skill up. And you're not looking to add tips and tricks, but you're looking to, to assess where you are from a growth mindset. I'm not good at this yet, or I want to be better um, at these things in a way more skilled way. Uh, that's something to start working on and solving for. And it involves a mentor or a leader, somebody who knows more than you. Don't be the smartest person in your room. Summer camp is filled with humans who by design, default, owner, and their, their camp have to be and are the smartest person in the room. That is not a recipe for success anywhere for any reason. And I think for many camp professionals, that's Goosh, because they're like, everybody counts on me. I'm the <laughs> matriarch, patriarch of this thing. And I, I'm counted on, I've been doing this a long time. I'm like, 
you sound non, you do not have a path <laughs> to, <laughs> to getting better or skilling up and nor necessarily are you seeking one. That's what's happening, in my opinion, at, at Wake and places right now is everyone's going, you know, I used to be the master of my domain. I'm in my butt kicked. I'm like, right. <laughs> yeah. So where are you headed and what are you doing and where are you learning? And I think that's something we all need to start talking about in camp. Mm-hmm. Well, that that notion of a recipe for success is uh, is something that, you know, I think we all continue to change the recipe. We evolve the recipe and uh, it leads us to my maybe not so good segue into thanking our second sponsor is that part of the recipe for success is having a good scheduling system for your overnight in your day camp. And we're on this West Coast kick. So we got Stuart in San Diego, but our friends at Camptivities are based on the West Coast. And we've had Ryan Rosen as a guest on the show. And we just want to thank Ryan and his team for supporting and sponsoring the Camp Owners Podcast because um, their platform for helping you navigate the challenges of your own particular daily schedule is something that here at the Camp Owners Podcast, Kelly and I totally, totally encourage you to check out. And um, the things they have on their platform, whether it's group scheduling, camper scheduling, rainy day scheduling, individual choice scheduling, you name it, the team at Camptivities can provide you with great resources to get that all done and get you outside where you need to be with your campers and your staff. So please let Camptivities help you get away from your desk and back out into camp. The team at Camptivities would love to show you what we all believe is the next big thing in camp. Visit Camptivities.com to set up a team, uh, a time to chat. So once again, big huge shout out to Camptivities and Camp Brain for all their support. Um, at the at the Camp Owners Podcast. Kelly? All right, great. So we always like to end our show with something that's inspiring us right now. Um, we're really sliding into camp, so we need this more than ever, I feel like. Um, this can be a book, article, podcast, documentary, leadership quote, or anything else that's inspiring us to be better camp professionals. I will be a good role model and start with mine. Howie, I'm being pretty, predict- pretty predictable today, but I feel like I haven't done a Brene Brown po- podcast for a while, so I'm due... I'm due. It's fair. Um, I just listened to a one recently. It's called Why We'll Never Be the Same Again and Why It's Time to Talk About It with Scott Sun and Shine. And he had done a previous podcast with Brene Brown and she did the episode both on her Unlocking Us and Dare to Lead. I really liked it a lot. I really, really, really highly recommend it. Um, and I think it goes really well with our topic today. So take a listen. I put the link um, next to my name. Howie, do you want to go next? Sure thing. Um, I just want to give a huge shout out to a friend of the show, uh, Dr. G, Deb Gilboa. Um, got to spend some uh, time, um, Sari and I, with her recently and wanted to tell you that her book, From Stress to Resilient, is a must for any of us in the industry. Um, we've all come to appreciate and know her as someone who can give us some really, really good advice and ways to support campers and staff with uh, the skills of resilience and how to frame it in such a way. She spoke about it on our show uh, in uh, in the past, but her book is out. I highly recommend you check it out. Lots of helpful tips, only the way that Deb can pass them along. So big shout out to Dr. G. I highly recommend you check out her book, From Stressed to Resilient. Wonderful. Thank you, Howie. I'll put a link in the show notes. Um, Stuart, what would you like to share with our listeners today? 
Well, I'm I'm on a I'm on a video, but I'm gonna hold up this book to the camera, and you'll translate that into a chatter or something like that. And I'm, I'm, I don't know if either of you are familiar with this book by Daniel Pink called Drive. No. So Daniel Pink is an author that is very. Um, you can notice the subtitle. The book is called Drive. The author is Daniel Pink, and the subtitle of the book is The Surprising Truth About What Motivates Us. So I talked about the Tamagotchi thing with the staff. And then I talked about our, our you know, role as camp owners and directors to do some professional development. Well, the, the Tamagotchi three scales for owners and directors and, and camp leaders is in Daniel Pink's book, uh, autonomy, mastery, and purpose. So you think about it like a three-legged stool. And boy, this just goes to camp one-on-one autonomy. Like, are you in your own lane to be in charge of things? We grant autonomy to 20 year olds to be in charge of a group or a cabin to, to our, you know, mid-level managers to be in charge of part of our camp, aquatics, waterfront, whatever dining. So autonomy is a huge thing is you're in charge. (laughs) And then purpose. I think we're really in such a good spot. We serve children and families and staff. I mean, if we're, we're not, I won't say where we're not, but like, if we don't have purpose, something's wrong. I think that one hits a pretty high bar. The mastery is the last tool. Are you getting better at it? Otherwise, as, as my old mentor used to say, we're decorating our rut. So if I think about that, That's a good one. If there can be too much autonomy. There can be no path to mastery. And honestly, the purpose, we can get kind of burned out on it. There's more people selling camp and leaving camp because camp is so hard and different than it's ever been. So the book really talks about those three things and talks about what they look like in the workplace. It's not a book just kind of blah, 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 blah. This is a workshop book with like things you can do as leaders to, to work within those three things. And it's been sitting here. I keep all my favorite books, like literally within arm's reach, because I want to flip around and grab them and look at them. Mine's all earmarked up. I've got Michael Brandline's Growing Great Qualities in Kids right next to it, because that's the most important book he's ever written. Those are his own words, but those are that, that book, Daniel Pink, I think is a read for every camp director in America. And maybe he can you know, give me a little shout out for the royalty pitch on his, on his sales, but it's a terrific, well, well done. everybody should read it. Yep. <laughs> so that's my inspiration for today relative to the things I share. Well, I tell you, Stuart is one of the better pitchmen of all of our guests we've had on the show. And we've done, I think almost 40 episodes. So well done, Stuart. Thanks for, uh, thanks for all of that. Stuart, this has been a wonderful conversation. So insightful, so full of, uh, experience and and uh, just a, a real genuine view into how you and your team operate camp and your vision of the industry and you know it's so nice to to meet people who are making a difference and um, we wish you the best for this summer as we do everybody listening so we want to thank you for joining us uh, if people wanted to connect with you if they had a question on anything that you shared today you know what's the best way for them to to drop you a note. Uh, my email, which follows the uh, standard, you know, summer camp construct of first name at camp.com, which is Stuart, S-T-U-A-R-T, at outpostsummercamps.com. That is the best way. And I welcome anybody to reach out at any time. Uh, one of my uh, biggest beliefs, and I have the quote right above my desk. I can, I can read it to you. It's actually from Albert Einstein. It says, many times a day. I realize how much my outer and inner life is built upon the labors of people, both living and dead, 
and how earnestly I must exert myself in order to give in return as much I, as I have received. So that, that to me is kind of a mantra for how I, how I go. And every day that yeah. the ACA Southern California, Hawaii section sends me all the budding entrepreneurs. Oh, he started a camp. You should talk to him. And, and I take them because that's our responsibility for everybody. So it's wow. been a pleasure being on the show and you two are doing great work in gathering expertise and doing exactly what I was talking about earlier, saying that this is a professional development opportunity for camp staff. So thank you for all your work and putting this together and what you're doing for the industry. I think it's terrific. And it was a pleasure. Well, to be- we, we really appreciate that. Thank you. This has become a real, uh, labor of love for us and it's uh and we hope it's as helpful i know it's helpful for the two of us <laughs> as much and i hope it's helpful and i think you've you've helped us along that path for sure kelly how can people get a hold of you uh, my email is kelly with a y at hiddenpinesranch.com amazing and if you want to get a hold of me you can um Get a hold of me at a similar construct, uh, Howie at CampRobinHood.ca for Canada. Uh, please uh, drop me a line. I'd be happy to, to connect. Please don't forget that you can find all of our show notes at GoCamp.pro slash OwnersPod. You can find the, re- the resources that we mentioned in this episode and lots of good stuff uh, from our show there and from all other GoCamp Pro podcasts. We really hope you enjoyed this. Thanks again, Stuart. Amazing to see you, Kelly. And we look forward to you joining us on the next Camp Owners Podcast. Thanks for tuning in to the Camp Owners Podcast. If you like what you heard, please leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget, you can find our show notes at gocamp.pro slash ownerspod. The Camp Owners Podcast is part of the Go Camp Pro Podcast Network. Find a podcast for camp pros of every age and stage at gocamp.pro slash podcast. Thanks for listening, friends. Hey, camp pros. We love that our industry is built on sharing. In order to foster that spirit, if you've gotten even one good idea from a Go Camp Pro podcast, a masterclass, from the Summer Camp Pros group on Facebook, at a conference, or wherever else, we ask that you give credit where credit is due. That way, we can encourage camp pros to keep freely sharing their brilliant ideas and make the camp industry better. Thanks very much.